Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk account, drunk, drunk, to drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account, drunk account. And welcome to the Two Drunk Accountants. That was a very happy welcome, Tim. Yeah, well, I'm happy. I'm a happy guy, Dan. That's good. I'm Don't glad. Judge me. Yeah, uh, now I'm unhappy. <laughs> I am Dan. I'm Tim. Really? Yes. Thought it was Tom this whole time. Ah, uh, it's awkward. That's funny. I get. I don't get Tom very often. I get Dim, Jim, Jim, Kim. Dim with a D. You get Dim before you get. Maybe that's because you are a bit dim, but you get Dim <laughs> before you get Tom. I literally got a. I was in Auskick when I was younger. I got a letter in the mail so from dear them. Dim. No, it was dear Dimotti. D I M O. Dimotti. Dim Dimotti. Bloody AFL players. Yeah, possibly. But no, just booking restaurants. Horrible. I hate it. Mm, people yeah. struggle to hear Dan as well. I don't. I, it might just be as you've pointed out before. I do speak funny sometimes. You do. Um, so I I I say <clears throat> I call a restaurant. Yeah. So I make, make a booking. Uh, what's the name? Dan. Ben? <laughs> Dan. <Yeah>. Ben. <laughs> D A N. Oh, Dan. Yeah, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a it's always a stickler. I feel like it, we have some sort of issue with saying our own name because we're worried that people so I think it's the pause. You're like, yeah. hi, uh yeah, you're booking a table for two for Dan. Tim? <laughs> yeah, like Tim? You, you're very specific about like, uh, yeah, I think you're right. It, it also feels weird to saying you're in. Next name. time, I'm just going to roll it off, like roll the sentence off. Like, hey, can I have a table for two for Tim? Yeah. And without a space and a getting ready to. Well, maybe you should just pretend like you're speaking about a different Tim. Mm. Oh, I just, yeah, I just want to book a table for, um, for Tim. Mm. My mate. True. Who happens to be myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim. <laughs> What is the, the team and Dan Lowe? You went down first. Yeah, I was starting low and then I went high. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. You stuffed up. I completely knew I was high as well. Yeah, you sounded high. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't our best. Wasn't our, that's all right. Mm. We'll make up for it next week. Uh, Listeners, the most important Tim and Dan Lowe this week is Dan's birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Dan. Thanks, Tim. For you, I'm going to play you a little song. Is it the Beatles' birthday? Turn the... Uh, Done. Oh. You're just playing the song you like. That's not nothing to do with me. No. Just wait. Hear me out. I may have to skip forward a little bit. I'm bored already. Have you have you heard this before? Not the remix. I'm hoping this is the right remix. It's the happy birthday song. Have a happy birthday. Have a happy <laughs> birthday. <laughs> That's really cool. It sounds like they're singing it a little bit, if you imagine it. It does, especially because you mimed over the top. Thanks, Tim. Have a happy birthday! Have a happy birthday! I really enjoy putting that on any time I'm at someone's birthday. Thanks, and just Tim. I, I, st- <laughs> I start singing it in a very high-pitched voice over the top of it. <laughs> no one knows what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Stupid. But happy birthday, Dan. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, mm. that is my Tim and Dan this week. It was my birthday yesterday. Yeah. Um, I had a good day, went out for brekkie with Kat. She took me out to brekkie. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Kat. 
we nice. I came to work for the day, went home, watched an episode of Doctor Who that I hadn't seen. Oh. That was good fun. I really enjoyed that. I had spaghetti oh. and garlic bread. I didn't love spaghetti. How good spaghetti? Did you get the, uh, like, did you... Instead of normal beef, like lean beef, did you get the normal beef? Did you go all out? We don't something? normally have beef. Yeah. Um, so, what... what turkey. I, well, well, no, it normally... So, we went through a phase of turkey and then recently we've just been complete veg. Oh, cool. It's uh, uh, lentils, black beans and mushrooms. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. That's... that's. But here's the issue. That's hitting my spot there. So, so last night, um, we went to go cook our spaghetti. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, brilliant. Got the lentils. We've mm. just got a supply of lentils in the in the cupboard. Yeah, so good. Yep, there should be some black beans there too. No, mm. so that's okay. Lentils and mushrooms. That'll that'll <laughs> be fine. Get the mushrooms out of the fridge. Moldy. Open them up. They smell bad. They're off. Ah, bugger. So just just lentils. And I think I can't just have lentils. Um, but we'd pre-bought some turkey mints uh, for some Mexican that we're going to make tonight. Uh, so we did end up having. Lentils and turkey mince spaghetti. You brought the turkey forward. Brought the turkey forward. I'm going to have to go buy some more turkey. Mm. But yeah, normally it is veggie spaghetti. Um, yep. But yeah, last night you went with the uh, gobble gobble. Mince, gobble gobble. But here's the thing with spaghetti, Tim. <laughs> the meat doesn't matter. What, you, what, what people doesn't, like is really pasta and the tomato pa- sauce. The pasta. <laughs> the pasta is the comforting part. Yeah. You want pasta and bolognese sauce. That's, exactly. all, you, that's all you want in it. Exactly. You don't really give a crap about the meat. Yeah. Well, I think in Italy... It's pretty rare to see like bolognese, spaghetti bolognese is a thing. It's sort of like beef ragu. I think that's what they call it. Yeah. With a pasta. So, yeah, it's more about the sauce. There's a sauce and then you you choose your pasta. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you go to a fancy uh, Italian restaurant, you order some spaghetti. There's barely any meat in that thing. Oh, yeah. No, It's, It's pasta, sauce and like a smidgen of... Like a splattering of meat. I'm glad you're 29 and uh, that's your main taking from life so far is the... Uh, so far. Yeah. Spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, spaghetti. Doesn't make a difference. <laughs> uh, so, that's good. Did that. Uh, how was your what, week? What else did you get for your birthday? That's right. I, I, I made you Tim's hand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you're a Jim. Game of Thrones uh, watcher, then you'll mm. know that's a very pre- prestigious, honorable thing. In the Game of Thrones, given. Tim... You either win or you die. <laughs> and yeah, well, that's you're going to die. That's an excellent memory of Cersei saying mm. that in season one mm. again, to Ned Stark. Exactly. Wow. So, Tim, uh, I'm not your hand. Not today. Not ever. Hey, that's a gift. Don't, I, don't I annex the north from your shitty south. Don't try it on my gift. All right. No. That's not long and hard about what to give it's you. It's not a gift. I'm making a pin. The hand of what? What are you king of? The castle. <laughs> Tim's obviously a big fan of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, uh, I appreciate it, Tim. The offer, I reject it firmly. Um, I what am, if I tell you you can't? What are you going to do? Going to cut your head off. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to... Drakara. Yeah, I was about Drakara's to say, it's Dora, your, your dragon. She's going to lick me to death. I am teaching you how Jacaris to sick and just leaks. I'm, I'm teaching you how to sick you. <laughs> sick him. Anyway, uh, so that was my, my week. It was my birthday. I had a good week. Uh, still going, having people over a Saturday for some games yes. nights. Uh, yes. That'll be fun. Yeah. Um, going Thanks into the, the city tomorrow. You're welcome. So, um, Although I did week? see someone post on your wall, happy birthday. And there was a photo of you, obviously mm. from a party. 
I can't remember being at that party, Dan. I don't know. Is it the face? Am I pulling a funny face? It's, there's Ninja Turtles in the photo. Oh, right. Okay. That was my 21st. Yeah. Oh. You were definitely there because Jade that? was there. Oh, fuck. That's weird. No. I can't remember. You were 100% there. You didn't Where come dressed up. You didn't come dressed up. Uh, was that the-, the theme was 90s. Uh, oh, no. I came as a tennis player. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It was a pretty shitty costume. Yeah. So the a theme- 90s tennis player. You were a 90s tennis player, and the one tennis player that you know that you like to always come dressed as or talk about. What's his name? Agassi? No. What's your favorite? You always mention- Sampras. No. There's always one tennis player oh. that you like to bring up in every conversation. <laughs> uh, the eternal dark horse, Goran Ivanisevic. <laughs> He's an Ivanisevic. <laughs> Ivanisevic. <laughs> this is why. This is. I'll tell you why. This is my timid Ivanisevic. Ivanisevic. Yeah, um, if you're a tennis fan, mm. a true tennis fan, not like Dan jumping on the bandwagon with modern day tennis <laughs> greats like Federer. No, I was old school tennis fan. Yeah. Right? Uh, Pat Rafter, top of his game. Everyone loves Pat Rafter. Yeah, he made the final of Wimbledon, I think it was. Mm. Or it could have been the US. Nah, it was one of them. Anyway, Goran Ivanisevic, he, um, he actually qualified or he was given a wild card for the event. Mm. And uh, he made it all the way through to the final to play Pat Rafter. It's a fun story. And beat him. It's a good story. That's why he's the eternal dark horse. <laughs> yeah. So As you, am I. So, you were at that party, by the way. Okay. And I'd like to point out that was almost a decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I don't remember it. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, cool. Well, that's my Tim and Danlow. Yeah. Good Tim and Danlow. It's also my Tim and Danlow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, all right, Tim, uh, business update this week. So, um, you may have listened to the podcast last week and I'd like to say just disregard it. <laughs> Basically, most of, the things, most of the topics last week are no longer relevant. I did hear there was a, um, a local accountant in yeah. our area who was planning an event after the election to, describe. to explain the tax changes. <laughs> so, they'd gone to all this effort to plan the event and the, the, the eventual message to clients is going to be well um yeah no there's none there's no time there are no time they're <laughs> so, coming down so if you listen to our um podcast on budget night uh that one describes accurately the tax changes and if you listen to our podcast last week um you can mostly ignore it there's like a five minute bit at the end where we discuss the two pages of liberal um tax policies who'd you vote for dan it's private information tim <laughs> did i ever find out I can't remember. Did you tell me? I don't think so. Ah, oh, you bastard. But I can tell you one thing I did do. I voted below the line in the Senate race. Mm. I looked up all the senators for all the major parties and decided which one of the senators I liked. Not just, to, not just blindly vote whatever party politics they decide who goes first. No. What if that guy's a jerk or girl is a jerk? Yeah. So, I, I voted for the senators that I liked more. Have you seen whether or not they got in, the people you voted? Uh, so my number one did, and Who was that? my number two and three did. <laughs> Funny story: each one of those are from a different party. Just creating division, Dan. No, I don't no. like it. I'm putting good people in good spots. I spoke to a few people actually. It was quite funny. Mm. Who um, they voted for? Let's say one of the major parties, Labor, mm. aka, um, and another one of the Labor parties, the Coalition, mm. Liberals. Mm. Um, so, they voted for Labor as the primary, like, House of Reps mm. vote. And then Liberal and in the Senate. And then Liberal in the Senate. 
I was like, you know the different parties, right? Like, just, They're going to be able to pass bills in the lower house, yeah, but not the upper just house. Just creating chaos, <laughs> just utter chaos. But that just shows people were so undecided. We were undecided yeah. oh, two days I, before. I, I was still deciding when I was looking at the voting card. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> All I wanted was a majority. And we got that. Yeah. And that's the main business update, I think, is the, the results of the election. There will probably. be some policies going through. Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's a business update. So, there will be some tax cuts. Um, there was a few other small policies that were that were put through. Not many that are going to be a huge change. Not really, but exciting times coming, I think, for everyone earning less than 200 grand. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> In the next few years, there's going to be some big tax cuts. Massive. Um, I can't wait, actually. And so. what I'm going to be doing, Tim, is keeping them accountable to their promises because True. most of those promises started three, four years from now. Mm. So, I would like to come back three years from now, even one year from now to see if they're back in black at the end of the year that they propose <laughs> that they're going to be back in black. So, oh. come budget next year. If they haven't been back in black, yeah. that's an issue. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Um, things I'm excited about, Dan. Mm. Um there were a few little things that the Labor were going to repeal. Mm. One that I really was unhappy about when you read out the rules last I week. I remember there was one in particular you were um, unhappy about. It was the change to deductible superannuation contributions yeah, as an individual. I agree. I'm glad that's hanging around. I'm very glad that's hanging around. That's and a great then, policy. It's awesome. Great policy. And then um, six members in a super fund. Mm-hmm. How good is that? Yep. The self-managed super fund. Uh, also, if you're saving for a first home, the super savers scheme that's is awesome. still around. All that, oh, yeah, True. No, and and, the, and the first home buyer, and they've thing. just advertised the new thing with the. Apparently, 5%. there's only ten thousand places, though. No, it's not limited. That's how many people they expect to ah, take it up. That's how okay. many fit into the category of right. Because right, right, right. yeah, you can save up five percent for a deposit, right? But if you're still not, if you're still unable to service yeah, that loan, yeah. you're still not going to get the you loan. You still need to be able to service the loan. Yeah. So yeah. really, it's going to benefit people who are in a position to pay that loan amount every month, every week. Um, but can do it quicker. That's probably what the that's probably what the coalition is thinking there. There's not because many. They're not yeah, putting up a lot of money. You need to yet. have a fair yeah. bit of income to be able to get that five mm-hmm. percent deposit. Then you have to pay off ninety five percent in thirty twenty five or thirty years. Yeah, so exactly. your income does need to be quite high. Exactly. So, yeah, so there's not that many that fall into that. But yeah, still, so that's our business update glad this week. Ma- glad to see a majority government. I'm glad to see at least some certainty. Yes. I am really happy about that. So, Tim. And one thing we forgot to mention last week mm. was uh, Vale Bob Hawke. Bob Hawke, yes. Yeah, I actually he, really wanted to mention that last week. But yeah, I passed away. Yeah, so that's a bit sad. It's a bit and sad. I actually thought that was going to be the, the final. Labor? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I've, that, that uh, I listened to something. There was, there was two thoughts about it. First one was people will remember that there has been really successful Labor mm. Prime Ministers and everyone will be like, great, you know, maybe we can trust Labor mm. because Bob Hawke, everyone's celebrating him. Even the Liberals are celebrating yeah. him right now. Yeah. And he was a Labor Prime Minister. Yeah. Um, but then on the other side, the other flip of the coin is, yeah, there's been such great successful Labor Prime Ministers um, well, how does Bill Shorten measure up to Bob Hawke? Yeah. <laughs> so, that was the other side That's of that coin funny. that yeah. they're like, this could help or it could hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Anyway. Um, Bill Shorten must feel like crap because I think he told him on his last day, we're going to win this election, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, two more takeaways, actually. I've got one quick one. Yeah, you go. Tony Abbott. Go That's on. what I was going to say. Yeah. Go on. You beat me to it. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine who's really against Tony Abbott mm. posted this picture and on the left-hand side, there was this red 
thing. I didn't mm. know what it was. It was on a beach. On the right-hand side, there was a budgie. Mm. Um, so, the left-hand side was Speedos. <laughs> <laughs> budgie smugglers. The budgies escaped. <laughs> and then, like, over the horizon, it had in, in big letters, the end. The end. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand it at first. Yeah. And then I was like, Jade, what the hell is that red thing? She's like, oh, I think they're budgie smugglers. I'm like, oh, I get it's it. Tony Abbott. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... I think it's good for I think it's good for the party and good for the country because he was fairly divisive within his party. He was. So he, he was pulling the party hard to the right. Yeah. Um which isn't where public opinion is generally yeah. going. Yeah. Um it's not as left as Labor was hoping it was, yeah. but it is further to the left than what Tony Abbott's and you know m- you know a lot of the Malcolm Turnbull stuff was because of him. Yeah, exactly. Um, because and their differences on what they thought about the environment. Exactly. So <laughs> I think it's good crazy. that they won a majority without him. Mm, definitely. <laughs> so that I think that'll be good for the environment, good yeah. for it, good for everybody. The other takeaway from that is that although I never agreed with his policies when he was prime minister, mm. when he was opposition leader, I thought he was I, I disagreed with almost every policy he ever came up with. Mm. Um, I did respect him for having conviction to his thoughts and opinions. Yeah. He never wavered. E- even when he True. was facing down this election, True. he said, this is what I stand for. True. And if you don't agree with it, then vote me out. Yeah. And even at the end, he was like, I, can't, I fought to it to the end with my own yeah. convictions. Yeah, like he did say, mm. I could have looking ahead mm. to this election and the polls. Mm. I could have just pulled the pin, mm. um, but I chose to fight it out, win or lose, mm. to, yeah, just to get the result. Because yeah. a lot of other politicians been around for that long. They mm. wouldn't want to tarnish their reputation by exactly. losing. Although John Howard, people said he should have handed over the leadership to someone else before that election that he lost. Mm. And not only did he lose the election, he lost his own seat. Yeah, he did. So he, he fought, and he was, he's uh, Tony Abbott's mentor. Oh, he was, yeah, love him or hate him. Mm. He was one of the More most successful, successful yeah. politicians of our era. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, the, the other takeaway, and mm. it's related to Tony Abbott, is mm. the environment. Mm-hmm. So, I did see a lot of uh, division amongst people on Facebook and Twitter mm. about um, liberals being elected. Mm. And they said, well, good on you, everyone. You've just voted away our environment for mm. the next, you know forever yeah um because liberal don't have a fast and hard plan about what to do for the environment yeah and they've actually like almost ignoring it i guess yeah um and i was my response to that was like i didn't even know labor had a plan to be honest because i think they announced it during their campaigning yeah um but you know i also want to just spread the word Mm. the gospel we don't have to wait for politicians to make no, this it, change. It, it can be it can uh, come from the people, private sector led, community led. Yeah, um, you know, watch oh. out for wastage in the environment in your own house. And if everyone does that, then that's that's, that's great. I've I can I can um, I use a power company that I can actually choose to pay a little bit more and have green energy mm. if I want, like renewable yeah. energy. Produce that power. There are companies that you can pay for your electricity that give you discount rates if you've got an electric vehicle. It's good, um, but on the I agree a hundred percent with with what you're saying. Um, I guess on the other side of that, the reason why we've had three prime ministers in the Liberal government for the past five years is because of energy policy. Yeah. <laughs> They've each fought like Malcolm Turnbull lost because of energy policy. Then he toppled yeah. Tony Abbott for energy policy, and then he lost again because of energy policy. 
Um, so that's why I think people kind of made that the issue of this. But I think yeah. in reality, people weren't always voting for that. But that was, you know, uh, yeah. on Twitter and Facebook as the issue. Um, but we do need infrastructure. We do need charging stations. Yeah. We do need, you know, less coal, a bit of... Well, in, you know, that kind I of was, stuff helps. I was looking it up and the biggest ones that produce um, greenhouse gases and mm. affect climate... Uh, like burning coal for power. So, that's that's a huge thing. So, we need to get renewable energy. Beef, and, uh, car, one cattle's the, One of the farm. really good things liberals kicked off were, mm. um, was the snowy hydro. I'm, um, all, I'm all for that's that. That's really cool. I really like that. I really that. like that. Mm. Um, and then the other one is the methane from, from livestock. Yeah. And then obviously- Clearing land the, and all that as well. The carbon emissions from actually the, the industry surrounding- um, livestock, yeah. so like getting it from paddock to plate. Yeah. Um, so people can really affect both of those if they want meat. to. Yeah. Choose renewable energy sources mm. and eat less meat. Mm. Simple as that. Definitely. You don't have to vote for someone to do that. No. Just do so it. That, that's what I was annoyed about when I saw everyone saying, "Oh, good on you, liberal voters." People choosing. People find a political side and they argue <sighs> it. You know, they do. <laughs> <sighs> it's hard to to get around that when people are so heightened. Yeah, I wrote and deleted so many. Uh, I can imagine so many Facebook or Twitter comments, <laughs> and I was like, "But am I missing something here? Like, is there some some policy that Labor had that was just amazing or something?" Mm. No, it was just like twenty thirty. Let's halve our carbon emissions. Yeah. Well, why don't we just do that anyway? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it has started to move that way. I think it it, it is being industry led a bit. You know, a, a lot of like, even in the US, like for instance, the US pulled out of that Paris climate agreement, this mm. big agreement for the whole world to reduce yeah. whatever. Um, but a bunch of states and a bunch of companies in the US re-signed to it. Cool. So, it's being led by other people. Yeah, it's awesome. Even if the government doesn't do it. So, we, we can do the same thing. We can't wait for politics to decide to do it. We can do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, all Everyone right. has a footprint. So, I, I have a quick, uh, before we jump into Tim's Tardust tip, I'm going to answer mm. a quick question. Listen to a question that we said we'd get to last week. Um, this is from uh, Jared, the the noob, the destroyer of noobs. <laughs> um, you keep getting that wrong. Jared, the destroyer of noobs, uh, <laughs> sent us a, a tweet during the week. I think you might have deleted it, but we're going to answer it anyway. Um, yeah. His question was... Because we appreciate people who tweet us. There was another person that tweeted us as well. We did have another tweet. Uh, someone gave us a shout out this week. So, thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but the question was around um, how basic income tax works when, you, when you're a business. So, you've got, uh, let's say, a $1,000 worth of revenue. Uh, and then you all have to pay out a subcontractor for that. Mm-hmm. So, you pay out $500 to a subcontractor. Mm-hmm. What, what are you actually paying tax on? Are you paying tax on the $1,000? Are you paying tax on $500? Yeah. Um, the answer is you have your income less your deductible expenses, and what's left is what you pay income tax on. So, yep. if you have $1,000 of income and then you pay $500 to a subcontractor, well, your total income is only $500, mm-hmm. and that's what you pay income tax on. GST is a different story. Um, you know, assuming you're registered for GST and your subcontractor is registered for GST, you, mm. you know, you collect 10% of that $1,000 as GST, um, but then you get a credit of... 10% of the $500. It's yeah. not exactly 10%, but for yeah. ease's sake, let's say it is. Yeah. Um, and that's how, you know, you get your income, uh, GST collected, less the GST that you've paid out, and you have to pay the difference to the ATO. So, so basically, good. total income less total deductible expenses equals taxable income, and that's what you pay tax on. 
Thank you for the question, Jared. Thanks for the question. The destroyer of noobs. If you've got any more, send them in. You're such a noob, Dan. Yeah. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. <laughs> Tim, do you have a Titus tip? <clears throat> yes. Now, now you're looking at me with those eyes that say, no, no, no. I'm thinking about the best way to throw I you look, under the bus here, Dan. I look at you like this every week, Dan. You I'm do. very proud of my Titus tips. Yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> I thought you reduced my uh, mic then. So, um, no, this week's Titus tip is called accommodation. Location, location, location. Okay. <laughs> when you're looking at accommodation, mm. it depends what you want to go with here. But mm. obviously, some people really like luxury accommodation. Mm-hmm. Some people love a free breakfast included. Nice buffet. Yeah, I do. <laughs> this is directed at you now. <laughs> um, and then there's people like me who are tired asses. Mm-hmm. And they're traveling on a budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to focus on the most important facet to them. And if you're a traveler on a budget, accommodation should be all about location. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, you know, maybe, maybe it's not the most flash place, might not have breakfast. Um, it might even be a hostel. Mm. It doesn't have to be a dorm room in a hostel. You can get private double rooms, private double rooms with, yeah. with your own bathroom sometimes mm-hmm. for a pretty cheap rate. Mm. And, um, Often, those solutions are right next to where you want to spend the bulk of your time yep. on your holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, why pay all this money for a room that has... It might be nice to get up and look at the view at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can, you've got mountain views or lake views or something like that. Mm. Um, when you could just go sit in a cafe or a restaurant with equally as nice views mm-hmm. for way less um, than what you would be paying to stay in that nice room. Mm. So, look for a, a good bed, make sure it's clean, but most of all, location. That's the one thing I'm always looking for. So, and you'll save yourself money that you can spend on other things. My, my elimination process, mm. selection process for accommodation on any trip is based on a number of things. Yeah. Number one, it's function. Mm-hmm. Why am I on that trip? <laughs> am I there to hang out at the hotel? No. If, if I'm on a resort in Fiji, damn straight I am. It's exactly yes. why you're there. I guess. Yeah, no, so, you're going to no, 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 go true, for a nicer true, place. True, true. Uh, am I there for a business trip? Well, then I'm not going to spend any time at that hotel. I don't really care. Most trips, you're not going to spend any time in the room. Exactly. So, that's, that's just one question. Function. Because that immediately yeah. just okay. makes me decide which way I want to go. Right, uh, second one, cleanliness. Cleanliness is huge. but Because I don't want to share no bathroom with people who are wiping shit on the walls, Tim. Meh. You know, hostels, usually gross. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. It's a fair call, but mm. God, they're cheap. But three, <laughs> and here's, here's the best. And basically the third one here, location is, is a factor, but I'm willing to walk an extra 500 meters for a cheaper place. Um, mm-hmm. the, the third one here is value for money. Now, I'm happy, as I said, to walk 500 meters mm. um, if I can get an extra star in that hotel for cheaper or the same price yeah, as I would in the exact location I want to But be. 500 meters is fine. Yeah, 4Ks I wouldn't. Yeah. But within a certain radius. So, proximity is in that calculation of value. The further out you go, 
the more value you're going to need to make that worth it. You know, yep. if, if you've got a scale of like proximity, yeah. cleanliness, function. <laughs> exactly. You know, um, all those scales. Yeah. And if you push one up, the yeah. other ones go down until you have a base level of value that you're happy to deal with. Exactly right. Mm. Well, um, in major cities, it's pretty cool because all you need to do is be right near um, a metro stop. Yeah, definitely. Or like the, the local transport hub. We actually stayed in a, in a nice so, apartment in Melbourne. Yep. It was a weird experience. It was a weird experience. But it was a nice apartment. That was cool. It was very cheap. And it was close to where we had to be. It was extremely close. Not where we've picked up the keys. No, that was that was silly. That was not great. That's very silly. Anyway, well, I mean, that's I, a good tip. And I've got something else to... Another example, mm. using the Fiji scenario, mm-hmm. right? There are different levels of rooms. There are indeed. There? Exactly. And if you're, practi- if you're practicing tight arsism... Mm-hmm. I do recommend getting the cheapest room, and you might be like, "Well, let's just let's just like splurge a little bit mm. and get the the room that's an extra hundred hundred and fifty dollars a night." Mm. But guess what? You're all staying in the same place. Exactly. You all have access to all of the amenities, mm-hmm. likely to be the same mattress and bed and I, towel. I and can tell you from experience, it is. Yeah, I've stayed is. in several different types of rooms in Fiji. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. in the same resorts. Yeah, okay, yeah. right. And you're right. You're not spending any time in that hotel room. No. You're spending all that time in the pool and the bar and the facilities. Yeah. So, it's not generally the nicety of the room. It's always the nicety of the hotel yeah. and function there. Um, Jed and I learned this at the Pump House in Tasmania, which mm. is like a world-class um, eco-tourism mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So cool. If you ever get the chance, go check it out. Mm. Um, and essentially, we got the cheapest room in the whole place. Mm which was still lovely. It was a mm. great room. All it had was, it wasn't out on the pump station mm. island, which would have been cool, but same time, like you said, Dan, mm. you're not really staying in your room. No. Um, and it didn't have a view. But here were the two factors. Like, if you're out on the pump station, you mm. don't have a view of the pump station. Mm. So, that's kind of like defeats the purpose. But if you're not in the pump station, you have a view of the pump station. Exactly, which is what you're there for. Yeah, that's cool. And then you just go out and you take photos. And they, they have this awesome common area areas and mm. everyone, regardless of the room, mm. you all get the same cost of dinner and breakfast. And I like it, Tim. Yeah. Take the cheap room. Take the cheap room. Don't feel bad. Like, you're going to lose out. You're not. No. You're winning. Winning. Be a tight ass. All right, Tim. Let's move on to our main topic today. We've already been going for half hour. This is one of the longest intros I think we've ever done. Uh, Our main topic today, we'll try and keep it brief, is cash flow number three, Mm. the lockup. Yeah, the lockup. I like it. The lockup. I like it. Just named it right then. The lockup. Yeah. Uh, Essentially, what we're talking about is your receivables, your inventory, and your whip. A big learning actually recently for us was... um, Cash flow, if your cash flow is strong, you should still have a focus on cash flow. It's the lifeblood of your business. Yeah, because if your cash flow is strong without you working on it, imagine what it could be like with you working on exactly. it. Exactly. Then imagine all the extra opportunities you could create from that mm. available cash flow. Yeah. Focusing on your cash creates cash. Yep. And so this is a huge area. If anyone's having cash flow difficulties, your accountant or your advisor is going to be looking at these first. Yeah, that's right. To try and figure out where your cash is locked up. Correct. So, 
one of the biggest issues and you know last cash flow episode we spoke about your ato debts and things so more often you can't pay your ato debts because you're having an issue with one of these <laughs> true not only are you not budgeting properly and we have all sorts of solutions back on that episode for those specific issues um but if you're finding yeah. yourself short on cash to pay those things more frequently like we suggest in that episode then it could be because you're struggling with your accounts receivable could be that you've got too much inventory Mm-hmm. Could be that you're not spending, you're not invoicing soon enough. You're spending way too much time doing the job, or your whips building, um, and you haven't billed properly. Yeah. Um, these are all issues that mean your cash flow is going to be less. Exactly. So let's start with the easiest one, Tim. Accounts receivable. Yeah. So accounts receivable, also known as trade debtors, also trade known debtors. as money owed to you. Yes. From your customers. That's right. <laughs> and. We spoke about this a little bit in our first cash flow episode. We gave a quick win, and that quick win was turn on an online payment gateway, yeah. especially if you're using a software like Xero, um, turning on an, a payment gateway like Stripe, yep. uh, apparently can reduce your age debtors, which is how long on average it takes somebody to pay you, by up to 10 days. So, it's pretty good. If Let's, let's say your current, uh, ca- uh, your current debtor days are 30, which means on average, it takes people about a month from the time that you invoice them until you receive that money in your bank account. Mm. If you turn on one of these online payment gateways and you can go from 30 to 20, and that's like, so let's think a month of your sales. Yeah. <laughs> if your sales your are 100, 100, or let's say make it easy, 30 grand, yeah. then you're going to get an extra 10 grand in your bank account right now. Pretty good. I, I know a few things I could spend 10 grand on. I know lots of things I could spend 10 grand on. A new Tim. <laughs> as the hand, as Tim's hand. <laughs> Is that really a good decision, Dad? I could buy the Golden Army from overseas. <laughs> the Golden Company. Golden Company. Bring them over and, uh, you know, win. Just Unlike Cersei. Buy a dragon. Mm, buy, a dra- buy a dragon egg. Stand in fire, see if it hatches. <laughs> Probably not a great idea. Uh, yeah, but ten, like, so that's a very easy solution. Yep. Um, but there are other solutions to help manage your accounts receivable. Yeah, I... Actually, I just think, and with, with all of these, it's just like our last episode, actually, where thinking ahead, being proactive, planning, mm. being organized, in other words. Be organized. Every single thing we talk about today is going to be about being organized in your business. That's so, right. If you're really organized with your accounts receivable, then you'll be reminding people when their debts are overdue. Mm-hmm. You'll be asking them... Uh, very promptly, when, as soon as they become overdue, when are you planning to pay this? Yeah. Um, and how much? Because you want to ask those specific questions to hold people accountable. Yeah. And there you can't are- just say when you you can't just say uh, your your debt's overdue because people can easily just not reply or not respond to that. Exactly. So and, and you be can actually proactive. Yeah, be be proactive. You can almost even preempt it by having conversations with customers before you take them on or before you do their work Mm. and setting your expectation on when you should be paid. That's right. I think that actually fixes all your solutions, uh, all your problems, if you go down that path of being organized with it. So, there's a few steps in this process. Let's say at the moment, you do nothing. You send out an invoice and you just hope for the best. Yeah, that's, just hope that's, it gets paid. That's level one of, of accounts receivable management. It's just a lot of people, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. It's very easy to do that. L- level two of accounts receivable management, um, we'll call that intermediary. Mm, intermediary. 
that is, say, uh, you've turned statements on. You send statements. Automatic statements. So, once a month. You oh. s- no, just no, once just, a month. Just you sending just statements. send statements, right? Which is really easy in Zero to yeah, do that. Very, very easy. You just send a statement and each month, if they haven't paid you, they're reminded about how much they owe you. A lot of people do pay on the statement. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to include on level two, automate reminders. Yeah. So, yeah. that's just turning it on that when it's due yeah. for payment, they get sent an automated reminder say, hey, this invoice is now overdue. Don't forget to pay it. Um, and that's not an actual contact with you. That's an automatic email sent out to them. People will very quickly learn that that's automatic. As exactly. Well. And it may even be worth saying that it is automatic because sometimes there are mistakes made. Yeah. And you don't want to upset people. Yeah. So, these two things are passive and reactive yeah. solutions yeah. to accounts receivable. Essentially, they just mean that you're... You're doing the bare minimum to make sure people are aware that they still owe you money. And they do work to a certain level. Yeah. Um, they definitely work. That's why people do it. <laughs> You'd want to be at least doing those. Yeah. That's that's bare minimum what, what, what you do. Otherwise, people will literally forget to pay you. Yeah. They receive an invoice and they forget. So, level three is being proactive. So, this is what Tim was describing before. And this is having those conversations at the time. Hey, when can I expect this payment? Yeah. Giving them a call. Yeah. Hey, I know you're overdue on this bill. Um when are you going to pay this? Or calling yeah. them a week before it's due or a couple of days before. Hey, I've noticed yeah. you haven't paid this yet. Yeah. Um, let's have a chat about that. And just being open and having communication can lead to people paying. For sure. Um, even when you send invoices through to people, mm. just noting that you really do appreciate payment um, on time yeah. and noting the due date. Mm-hmm. Um, if people know that you appreciate it, they might actually prioritize it. Yeah, exactly. So, Something that would be awesome if everyone, every business could do this um, would be when you receive a payment, if it is on time, how nice would it be to just like contact that person and say, thank you so much for paying on time. Yeah. Um, You know, you're one reward. Yeah. It's a little like we noticed. Yeah. We noticed you paid on time. Yeah. Whereas people think they can get away with it a bit sometimes. And so Mm. they push it. Let's just push this out to 60 days. They haven't even contacted me yet. No. Um, and that's really bad. 60 days, I mean, depending on your business, you've already done the work. Mm. You've incurred the costs to do the work Mm. and then you're financing your customer or client for 60 days. So, so here's, here's an example. This happened to me, right? Um, I have big gas bottles at my house runs like hot water runs on gas. There's big gas containers out the back. Um, when they run out, you've got to contact L gas, or whoever. Ah, that's right. Right? You are full of gas, Dan. I am. I'm full of gas. Um, anyway, they come and replace them for you. So, I contacted them. They said, yeah, it's going to cost this much. I said, brilliant. They came out and did it. They never sent me an invoice. Um, about 30 days later, maybe even longer, they sent me a statement uh. and said, hey, you owe this. And it, and it was an automatic statement. Ah, but you didn't get the invoice. Never got the invoice, right? So, mm. a, a week later, I went to Japan. Yeah. I hadn't paid it. Mm. Went to Japan, I was away for two weeks, came back. It's now been seven weeks since they did it and no one has contacted me except for one statement, right? Wow. I then remember, oh, geez, I got to pay this. Yeah. But I'm not too worried because they're not, they're not banging down the door for this payment. That's 42 days. Right. So, I actually felt like emailing days. it. I, thought I paid it. <laughs> yeah. I felt like emailing it. Uh, I paid it, sorry. And I felt like emailing them saying, hey. Did you guys know you, you, I could have paid you yeah, ages I, ago? If, if you'd set up a direct debit arrangement, this would have been paid day one and I wouldn't have known different. Yeah. So, and that brings me on to level four. 
Oh, there's a level four. This is, like, this, so this is called Super Saiyan. We've gone from weak to, to Super Saiyan. You, you've gone from uh, Krillin yeah. to you know level three Super Saiyan Goku. <laughs> All right, this is this is the levels that you're at. Um, uh. So you've gone from Tim to Dan. <laughs> Dan's at the top. Um, That's why you're my hand. <laughs> so this is restructuring the way you actually invoice someone or changing the structure around it. And this could be as simple as reducing your payment terms. Mm. So your invoice currently says they've got 30 days to pay. People are going to take 30 days to pay. Yep. Regardless of whether or not you contact them a few days before the due date, mm. it's mm. still 30 days. Yeah. Um, so reduce that to 14 days yep. or one week. Yep. Um, so that's, that's the very simple example of this. Yeah, then you could be even more organized like you said before, Dan. Mm. Um, direct debit payments. Direct debit payments. There's some amazing plugins to Zero now. Mm. Um, the best one I've seen is IntegraPay. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you can actually set up uh, automatic direct debits mm. to recur straight from Zero. It's Perfect. so good. Perfect. It's so good. You don't have to have another software or system that you use. It's straight mm. in Zero. And it's quite easy for the client. It sends them through their initial invoice. They sign off on it, put in their details. And uh, Bob's your uncle. Yeah. So, that's, that's an, another way. Um, an, a, a, another way again would... Sorry. W- another way again would be, you know, maybe offer a discount for early payment. Offer a discount for early payment. Or it sounds stupid. add interest on late payment. <laughs> yeah. Actually, those two things sound, sound pretty extreme. Mm. But when you consider the effect of slow cash and mm-hmm. that that can actually end your business, mm-hmm. offering a discount on that is actually a great option. And you know what? Most people will probably put the price up by the amount of that discount. Exactly, they would. And the people that take advantage of the discount don't suffer. Don't suffer. People that don't, they're getting penalized for paying late. Them. Yeah. That's on them. So, yeah. I'd say that's exactly what everyone does. But um, mm. yeah, so, so that's another option to or completely change the way you do it. Even just like... I was speaking to someone today about this mm. um, and their cash flow. They said they're, they're really struggling living week mm. to week. Mm. And they were explaining how they receive their cash and they have to wait three weeks for this process to happen. Mm. I was like, well, couldn't you just shift this around a bit? Mm. Get the cash to be paid to you earlier or upfront, mm. for example. And then um, when that trigger happens three weeks later, refund it or have some sort of um, backwashing arrangement. Yeah. So if think about the way your cash flow works with mm. customers. Yeah. And then really try and just put it on its head. Yep. And if you can get cash up front and it makes no difference to the client, mm. um, and in fact, it could actually be even better for them mm. because it's giving them more certainty or mm. peace of mind that they're um, ahead mm. with their payments. People actually like to be ahead. Mm-hmm. Why not? Why yeah. not do it? Yeah, that's right. Even if it's going to cost you a little bit in terms of you might be able to make extra sales if you didn't raise an upfront invoice and there's variations towards the end. Mm. Why not? Because Why not? you're going to get that cash straight away. So, recapping on this. Level one, you do an invoice and you do nothing to follow it up and hope for the best. Yeah. Level two, you Statements. passively follow it. Yes. Statements, automatic reminders, reminders, that kind of stuff. And then once your third reminder goes out... You never speak to them again. Yeah, exactly. You write it off as a bad day. <laughs> the the third the third one uh, is being more proactive, chasing the client, like calling them, having a conversation before it's due, asking mm. them when you can expect payment. Mm. Um, and then expert level 
is actually change the way you fundamentally invoice people, mm. um, change the way that they can pay, change the way that, um, you know, offering discounts and all that yeah. kind of stuff and, and offering incentives and making it easier for yeah. people to pay you yeah. is going to get you more money. Because the thing to remember about accounts receivable, look at that number. If it's sitting on your balance sheet, it's 30 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand. That's money that should be in your bank. It's money that should be in your bank account right now. And here's the thing with a lockup. You've got to think about that circle. Mm. You're starting with money you've invested into your business to start it up. Yep. Then you've done the work. Mm-hmm. You've made the sale. Mm-hmm. And then you receive the money. Sometimes you're paying for loans or reinvesting it. And sometimes yeah. you're paying yourself. Yeah. And you're back to the start of the circle. Exactly. Um, so, if you... Uh, have a large business and a mm-hmm. growing business, you're very quickly going to have cash difficulties yeah. if you don't speed up that circle. Exactly. The, um, the cycle of the cash in your business. Exactly. Because um, carrying $5,000 of accounts receivable, yeah, you could probably do that for mm-hmm. 60 days. Yeah. Carrying 200 grand of, of accounts receivable when no. you're a growing business That's and your cash balance- $200,000 that should be in your bank account. Yeah. That you desperately need for growth growth to continue the growth. Yeah. So, that's something that's really going to hold you back if you don't have, if you're not level four on that mm. or even level three, maybe. Yeah. You're really going to struggle with cash flow at some point at some as point. you grow. Especially if you're growing, it's going to come, it's going to get out of control and suddenly you're going to have all this money tied up in accounts receivable. So, it's very similar for the next two, isn't it? Yeah. So, the next two are quite similar. Um, obviously, the related one to Accounts receivable would be your whip. Um, so these actually, these two come before accounts receivable. Exactly. So accounts receivable is the, the, the number one thing people notice because the money is actually owed to them. Yeah. But these other two, these also affect the amount of time at which you turn your initial investment into your business back to cash in your pocket. Exactly. And this is this is really is a lockup because, as Tim said, you've put initial cash into your business and then you're locked up in work in progress. So this is just jobs that are partly done, and so. You know, if you're a service industry like an accountant, for instance, you know, and, and it's it's the time taken to actually perform that job, that's your whip because what you're billing is your time. So, there's all this time that you haven't invoiced yet that could be money in your pocket. And then there's also, if you're a manufacturer, if you're selling a product, you know, you're building something that if it takes you too long to build, you've got all this time invested and all these products invested um, in work in progress that's yet to be built. Yeah. So, th- there's ways to fix this, um, but I- ideally the goal is to reduce your whip as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for example, yeah, service industry, you've got time that you're putting, obviously, into a project. Mm-hmm. Um, a thing that old school accountants used to do was at the end of every month, tally the time and send an in-progress invoice yeah. to get... Payment as the project rolls on. Exactly. You can imagine if you're working on a project for 12 months, that's that's going to build so quickly. Yeah. And that's already 12 months before. So, you've put a dollar into your bank account. Mm-hmm. You've spent 12 months using the dollar to pay all the wages and costs. Mm-hmm. And you're expecting a $4 return on yeah. that. But it's taken 12 months and you haven't even invoiced out for it. Nah. They could pay you in 30, 60, 90 days. Yeah. So, approach the whip um, and try to keep the amount of time that the whip is in there mm. to a minimum. Exactly. 
So that's that's progress billing, and that and that's the main one, really. I mean, yeah. re- reducing your whip by invoicing out more regularly. Yeah, exactly. Just invoice more regularly. Yeah, exactly. Invoicing right. out more regularly, and you know, you just need to be aware of it. So, yeah. um, if you're not tracking your whip, yeah, track it. Constantly monitor your whip, and so th- you might be, you know, you might be a builder thinking, mm. no, whip doesn't concern me. I don't spend, I don't, I'm not putting like hours into a project that I build out that way I build things and mm. whip that is building. huge <laughs> yeah you're building yeah. something that is literally your work in progress all the materials you've purchased yeah. all the, you know the time you spent building it the wages you've paid to do this is this that is caught up in your work in progress I am for I unfortunately speak to some builders who don't know what work in progress is yeah yeah but it's it's pretty hectic um even in manufacturing there's there's work in progress definitely because you've got products that are I guess, raw materials that are being combined to create something yeah. that actually can't be sold yet. Yep. So, it's, not, it's not inventory. Mm. And the, there's time and material costs exactly. all locked up in All that. locked up. So, and that, that does bring us to the next thing. So, let's say you're a manufacturer and um, you've put all that time and materials together and now you end up with a finished product and you've got Inventory. inventory. Now, you might just be buying stock and selling it. You might, you know, you're a retailer or something. And that's the same thing. You've bought inventory to sell onto someone else. Mm. This is also essentially cash <laughs> waiting. Yeah. You've, got, yeah. you've got money tied up in assets that you're waiting to sell to somebody. Yeah. So, the idea here is you need to manage your inventory properly. Because if you've got way too much inventory, you've got a whole stack of cash waiting there. Literally going off. Literally going off. Yeah. Wastage. I, I go to fruit shops and like Coles mm. and I feel literally like my hair is going grayer by the second thinking about the amount of cash they've got sitting on their shelves. So there. much. So and, much. And it's all like the fresh produce, for example, mm. in fruit shops. Um, the amount that is riding on every one of those mm. products combined is, they just scares me. It scares the shit out of me. So, they'd have so much time and money spent on coming up with the proper inventory and mm. ordering system to ensure they have the exact right level of each of those products exactly. at any given time. So, fruit shop analogy um, or scenario, you don't, you don't want to run out of stock. No. You're turning customers away, mm. you can't make more sales if you don't have stock. Yeah. That's a huge issue. Yep. But you also don't want to have too much stock because your bananas are going to go brown and go off and you're going to throw them out. That's just money wasted. Literally, you're putting money in the bin. Yeah. So, if if you know that you sell 100 bananas a day on average, then you probably don't want to go much over having 100 bananas on the shelf every day (laughs) because those bananas are going to go off. If you get 90, that's no good. You've missed out on 10 bananas worth of sales. If you buy 110, then you're going to miss out so you've spent 10 too many yeah and you're gonna waste money yeah so uh, the the so main you need to be agile enough to, you miss out so you've got 10 left over from day one yeah. well let's sell them on day two yeah and we'll only order 90 for day two exactly that's where being organized so comes be, into it exactly and so the main thing here is investing in technology having appropriate yep. software that tracks your inventory levels yep. how much is being ordered what products don't move quick enough yeah um, what expiry dates are coming up yep. what things do I need to sell quickly yeah um, you know if you've got too much stock in a slow moving product discount it and get rid of it can you change your supply chain yeah and after someone makes an order get that inventory item in just in time just in time yeah just and in so time. you're not actually paying anything for the stock you sell yeah. it until you sell it so a furniture store is yeah. 
people that they do this. Yes. So they, you know, you go in, you say, I want to buy that couch. And they say, great, we'll deliver that to you. Mm. And that's because they buy it. And unless, then, you know, yeah. or they build it. Unless and then they bring Ikea. it to you. Unless yeah. you're Ikea and then you pick it up right there and then. Um, but yeah, and, and this might not be the case. You might have a shop front full of things on the shelf that people want to buy there and then. So it's just ensuring you have the correct levels and not too much because that's tying up cash in your business in stock. And space. And space. Space is valuable. So the lockup essentially is just be organized. Be on a level yeah. four of, of accounts yeah. receivable management. You know, uh, invest in technology to ensure that your stock is at an appropriate level. Uh, and don't spend too much time on a job without invoicing it out. That's it. Because that's all you've got to sell is your time mm -hmm. and the work that you're delivering as a yeah. business. So why are you undervaluing yourself mm -hmm. and, and not charging yeah. um, for work that you're doing yeah. until 12 months later? That's just silly. And so, so like the, the last two that we spoke about, your whip and your inventory, you know, that's the reason you have cash flow issues there is because you're spending money without having anything come in. Yeah. So you've spent money on these items that are just waiting. Yeah. And then the accounts receivable side is it's just not getting money in quick enough. Yeah. So you can see very quickly, if you have troubles with any of these three, hmm. you're either spending way too much money without having anything coming in yet, or you're not having your money coming quick enough. Very if, simple to see. If you're, there are retail shops mm. that have no accounts receivable mm. because everything is bought as they sell it, right? Yeah. Paid for as they sell it. Yeah. But they, might have they still have cash flow issues. Inventory problems. Yeah, because they're not, they're not sorting out inventory and whip potentially. Mm. So, there's, so there's multiple ends of this spectrum that you have to look at. Yeah. An easy example just to make it simplify before we finish this up. Um, you're a store. You buy 100 grand's worth of stock, but each month you only sell 10 grand's worth of stock. So, at best, you know, $10,000 is coming in every month, <laughs> but you've spent 100. Suddenly, you're, you're 90 in the, in the blue after the first month. Uh, sorry, in the red after the first mm. month. Yeah, that's actually a really good example because mm. you, you might be making 10 grand of sales, but like, let's, let's say 20 grand of stock. This is more realistic to a small business. Yeah. 20 grand. Mm. You're selling 10,000, you're making $10,000 worth of, or maybe let's say $5,000 worth of sales yeah. every month. Mm. Of that stock that you bought originally, only $1,000 is needed to be, the cost of that. is needed to be sold. So, you're making four grand of profit each yeah. month. You're going to run into cash flow difficulties pretty quick because you're going to have rent, wages, and other overheads Very to pay quickly. out of that four grand. Um, unless you're starting the business with 100 grand in the bank, which yeah. is like really rare, yeah, rare for a small business person to have that much capital behind them. Mm. Um, and often you're spending everything you've got on the inventory and setup of the business. Mm -hmm. So, so your first issue then is just, you know, buy the appropriate level of stock. Don't buy 20 <laughs> grand's worth. Have it ready. Buy five grand. Figure out how quickly you can order that stock in and yeah. set the expectation with your clients. Look, we're a small business. Um, it's three days until we get the stock and then it takes two days to ship it to you yeah. or something like that. But yeah. you really do need to plan these out because it sounds trivial, it sounds simple, but um, this is the thing that kills businesses. Definitely. Time and time again. No one starts with, no one has the luxury of starting with an abundant amount of cash. If you did, you would be able to survive it and build a thriving business and make profits. Correct. If, if you don't start with an abundance of cash, you can still make profits but your business can fail. Yeah, exactly. You can be making a huge amount of profit and, and fail. still fail. Yeah, exactly. And that actually happens a lot. It does. Definitely happens a lot. That's why we do this whole series. So, there will probably be a cash flow for at some point. 
Yeah, when we when we get around to it. Yeah, in the we, we tend to space the cash flows out a bit. Yeah. So I hope everyone enjoyed cash flow three. If you have got mm-hmm. any questions, uh, send us an email to drunkpodcast at gmail Send us a tweet at two drunk podcast. Send us a Facebook message to drunk accountants. Um, we'd love to get in touch. Um, but Tim, <laughs> that concludes our main topic. What's your other thing this week? My other thing is. Um, a movie I watched. Mm. Yeah. I hadn't watched it. What movie? It's called About Time. Oh, I've seen Have About Time. Seen? Yeah. It's a really cool movie. British movie. Yeah. yeah. From 2013. Yeah. Um, it's the same guys that make um, all those British movies. The, you know, uh, you love, act- uh, love Actually. No, you, the, the Boat That Rocked. Yeah, exactly. All those kind of movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that guy. Who's that older actor? He's great. Bill Nye. Yes. Bill yeah. Nye. He's so cool. Yeah. He's so cool. Um, Wait, Bill Nye? That's Bill Nye the science guy. Is his name... Are they both Bill Nye? <laughs> I think Bill Nye the actor is more like Nye. Nye, right, yeah. Yeah, Bill Nye. Do, do you reckon he pronounces it that way specifically because everyone knows Bill Nye the science guy? Is Bill Nye N-Y-E? Yes. Uh, Bill Nye is N-I-G-H. Okay, something cool. like that. Nice. Um, I'm going to play another song. This song was in it. It had a great soundtrack. Hmm. Um... I've never really gotten into this artist, but it's Nick Cave. Oh, yeah. It's quite cool. And the Bad Seeds, or just Nick Cave? Yes, and the Bad Seeds. It's a long intro. It's so good. And eventually, it comes into this chorus of... Into my arms, into my arms. He's a bittersweet performer. Yeah, so uh, I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, it's a great and movie. And the concept behind it was awesome. It really makes me think about life because they can time travel. Mm. And, um, but still, you know, they die like everyone else. Mm. They have the same issues like everyone else. And in the end, the, the guy's like, even though I can time travel, I ended up approaching every day like it was the second day, the second time I ran through and, and yeah. enjoyed every little part and wasn't stressed about things because I knew how it was going to work out. Yeah. Um, so, it's pretty much like don't stress about little things and just mm. enjoy time. We're all time travelers because we're all traveling through time. Through time. Just approach every Constantly. day. I think there was a re- cool. there was a sad moment where the dad, he was dying, yeah. but he couldn't go back in time because if he did, it ruined his kids' yeah. life. Yeah. It was, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It was... It was Good. Yeah, it was a good movie. It was a nice heartfelt movie. Good movie. I really do like that movie. Um, my other thing this week is I'm I'm listening to an autobiography, John Cleese's autobiography. Ah. Uh, so anyway, the autobiography. I, I downloaded that like years ago and I've still never... Well, I like Monty Python yeah. and uh, John Cleese. And Why is it called So, Enemy- so Anyway? I don't know. I'm just the name of his book. Uh, I really like... I like listening to autobiographies. I like reading fiction, but I like listening to autobiographies because especially only if they're read by the person yeah, who, yeah. Who, who wrote them. It's very cool. Because it's like your favorite comedian or actor mm. or musician mm. telling you their life story and they often, you know, add some flair to it or True. they say things that aren't in the book or they, True. you know, when they tell the joke, especially comedians, like the Steve Martin one's very much like this. Yeah. He tells jokes that he tells. But he actually does the joke. It's That's not like cool. you're just reading a joke. That's it's, awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, I should do more of that. I really used to love 
biographies, mm. autobiographies when I was a kid. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the, the ability to listen to someone you obviously love mm. reading their own autobiography. Yeah. How sick is that? Yeah. Uh, it, uh, if, you're, if you're just new to this um, and you're a Steve Martin fan, I'd thoroughly recommend Born Standing Up, Steve Martin. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Such a good book. I should actually go back in saying this and to some of the autobiographies that I've loved mm. and listen to the audiobook. It actually yeah. kind of makes me want to, because I've obviously read them all. Yeah. I want to go back and listen to them. Like um, Scar Tissue, Anthony Kiedis. I wonder if he reads it. I wonder if he reads it because I've read that too. I read that. I don't, I, I, I'm kind of doubtful. You don't I feel like, I don't know. I can tell you right now. Yeah, look it up. Then there's also uh, Andre Agassi, Open. I haven't read that, but I want to. Is oh. it good? Oh, yeah. I've got it. Do you want it? Yeah. I can lend it to you. If he, if he reads it, I might listen to it. But All right. No, definitely. Um, um, what else? What else has there been? James Hurd. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, actually. Anthony Kiedis does not read it. Uh, uh, Kevin Sheedy, The Jigsaw Man. The Jigsaw Man? Mm. I think he has like three biographies. Andre Agassi does not read his either. That's disappointing. Yeah. It's most like actors and comedians tend to read their own because they're natural performers mm. and narrating an audiobook is performing, essentially. Kiedis doesn't do much talking, to be honest. I went and saw him play live and yeah. he did not talk much. When I went, he did the same thing. So, I saw him back in like 2009 or something like that. Not a big talker. With the Stadium Arcadium tour. Ah, and best album. He played... And saying all the time, but any every any time there was a break, it was Flea. Yeah, he Flea was on the mic. It's almost like Kiedis just like walked off. Yeah, like, he wasn't even there. He was just standing there with a the shirt off, like yeah. doing something, just strolling around the stage. I remember when I went so there was a, there was a point where Anthony, uh, sorry, when Flea was just sitting there playing the trumpet by himself. That was cool. That is cool. Mm. Anyway, yeah. So <laughs> autobiographies read by the people who write them. Great. Nice one. I like it, Dan. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening this week. Um, We should post a live uh, feed from your Saturday night games night. Yeah, we should. That's a good idea. That's a great idea, Tim. Uh, We'll be watching Saturday night. We might do some drunk accounting. (laughs) Uh, As as I said, if you've got any questions, write in to the places that we've said. And please uh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast because it helps people find us. Please like us. Please like us. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll catch you later. Bye.